0: Hey, Chloe.
1: Hey, Raph. How are you going?
0: I'm pretty awesome. How about you?
1: That's, yeah, really, really good. i really looking forward to having another, another um, inspiring and thought-provoking chat. Mm. So what do you think we should talk about today?
0: Let's talk about how we delude ourselves into thinking that things that we do really work when, in fact, they don't.
1: Yeah. Oh, juicy juicy conversation
0: there. You know, like when you do your special, you know, a client comes to you and they've got some kind of problem, you know, they've got a sore back maybe. And you do your special trick, whatever your special trick is, you know, like maybe you give them your special stretch or your special core strengthening routine or your special exercise or your special cue or your you special activate their glutes. Yeah, yeah, you activate the right muscles or whatever, you know, whatever you We your-
1: are doing, we're saying the activation I think we should I think we should do the air quotes when we're saying activation. There's just air quotes to make around sure people... everything.
0: Good, good,
1: good. <laughs> just, just so we're
0: clear. Um, yeah, so you do your special trick, whatever your special trick is, you do it. And then they come back and they're like, oh, you're a genius. I'm fixed. I'm better. My back feels so much better after you did that magical thing. And you're like, ha, 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 I'm awesome. And my those tricks I learned from my trainers are really awesome too. Um, but, yeah, that might. We're probably not right about that, any of those things. And neither's the client. Yeah.
1: Right. So so what we're what we're talking about here is um
0: Go on say well, it. You say want to say it. say it. You want to say I it.
1: I really, oh, he, he doesn't think saying logical fallacy is sexy, and I think it's sexy. <laughs> and I think it's really important that that we all, you know, start start to learn about these kind of these oh, these tricks we play with our mind when we're, when we're trying to, you know, justify our, our um, positioning really. really. And we, I think there's, I think I want to talk about it in, in two different sort of ways or in two different applications here where we see it with, you know, how we work with, with our clients, you know, it's the, uh, but, you know, I activated my client's glutes and that then alleviated their back pain. Therefore, the activation of their glutes, you know, alleviates back pain, right? And now I'm going to apply that to all of my clients because activating glutes alleviates back pain, right? And then also I want to think about, I want to loop in during this conversation what I'm seeing just imploding on um, the interwebs at the moment, in lots of <laughs> different. There's a lot of hot discussions going on where I'm seeing a lot of this um, logical fallacy applied. So I think uh, you know, yeah, that's what I want to chat about.
0: Mm, so the client so came was- in. You did. You did a. They had a problem. You did a thing. They came back later. Their problem was gone. You're like, yippee. We Depends, fixed them.
1: That's yeah. that's the answer. That that fixed thing. And what do we call that logical fallacy?
0: We call enough? it post hoc ergo propter hoc, or we just okay. actually call it like faulty re- faulty <laughs> faulty reasoning. Faulty um, reasoning. Yeah. Well, and it post hoc ergo propter hoc means after this, therefore because of this. Right. So mm. if if something happened and then later something else happened, you think, oh well, the second thing must have happened because of the first thing. But Mm. that doesn't, it doesn't actually follow, you know, like you could say, uh, you know, Nicolas Cage was born and, uh, you know, then uh, Donald Trump was elected. So, you know, therefore one thing caused the other thing, but obviously it didn't cause that, you know, there are lots of things that happened before things uh, Mm. that that don't cause those things, you know, Mm. like, you know, I've got on a checked shirt today, you know, does that mean that? If you got a sore back after I put on my check shirt, does that mean my check shirt caused your sore back? No, of course not. I was
1: wondering why my back was hurting. Yeah. Now I know. <laughs> Can you go get changed? Yeah, I should have
0: put on my other one. Your other one doesn't give me
1: a sore <laughs> yeah. back, but that check shirt every time hurts my back. Yeah. There you go. But with, yeah.
0: we, yeah, we tend, we're like, we're it's very, uh, you know, we have these heuristics, these uh, like sort of rules of thumb that we use when we think that have evolved over, you know, Countless generations to help us, you know, make decisions in the ancestral environment. You know, so like if you if you eat a a berry from a bush you've never seen before, and then very soon afterwards you get sick as a dog, you're going to avoid those berries, right? You're going to think, yeah, the berries made me sick, and that's probably a safe assumption if you're walking the plains of Africa and you know, hundred thousand BC. But in in the modern environment, those uh, heuristics, those rules of thumb, often lead us astray because they're not adapted well to the complexity um, that we uh, are dealing with.
1: Mm. And we see this, this particular um, thought process, you know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, we've referenced back pain because we do we see it most commonly, I mean, maybe in our realm, um, applied to pain and injury um and and i mean this would be i guess a topic for for another day that you know what we do know about pain now and it's 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 complex it's multifactorial and you know if you if you really did understand you know about that that side of pain um and that nature of pain you could see how you know it's just unrealistic that it, it could be as simple as you know I activated my client's glutes, and their therefore, you know, the lower back pain went. Mm. So um, it is, and I think that the you know, what do we think? So it so it's a logical fallacy, and what do we think the danger in applying that is?
0: Um, well, before before we get into that, I'd like to just talk through like why that's a why it's a fallacy. You know what what yeah. why it's not a. a why it's not a, a useful way of, of coming to conclusions. You know, like yeah, if if, yep. if you've got a program and it might not just be one client, it might be like you have a whole bunch of clients that have this problem and you do this intervention or this process or this, you know, sequence or five step, you know, whatever, um, with them and you get great results with with heaps of clients, you know. And that 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 kind of um sort of personal experience, it can be really uh, compelling. You know, it can be really like, you're like, well, I've done this with like 30 clients and they've all got better, you know, so that's, you know, that's amazing. And that that should surely, you know, indicate that it's working. But the fact is, nah, it doesn't, it doesn't indicate that it's working at all. Probably just indicates that you're just deluding yourself. Um, and, and here's the thing, we all do it. You know, I do it, you know, you do it, everyone does it. You know um,
1: oh and I mean it could be a myriad of things that you're doing within that e g potentially getting people moving um building therapeutic alliance um you know et cetera et cetera right. that that we know do have you know some plausible you know and and research behind it that that you know does help people
0: right, so you know when well there are there are like there are a number of reasons. Why you can't Why why it doesn't follow that just because you did a thing, even if you did it multiple times with multiple people and it worked every time that mm. that it doesn't logically follow that that actually made the difference um and so yeah the the first one uh is kind of what you were alluding to there, which is that actually in any in any interaction when a client comes to see you or you do an online you know session or whatever. Um, there are multiple factors, multiple things happening. So, okay, you activated their glutes, but you also listened to their problems. But you And you also got them moving. And you also, you know, cheered them up. And you also, you know, gave them to expect that they would feel better soon. And, you know, so there were so many, they also had social engagement, maybe with the other people in the room, or even just with you. You know, there, was, there are so many factors that, that changed in that interaction that, Mm. and then, so after that, you know, and I've just listed off half a dozen, but they're probably another 50, Mm. right? Mm. (laughs) They saw, they saw your diploma on the wall and thought, oh, this person really knows what they're talking about. I'm in good hands. I'm going to get better. You know, Mm. like there are are just so many reasons, Mm. so many other factors at play that to Mm. just pick out one of those sort of arbitrarily and go, oh, it was the glute activation, you know, just is not, it, it doesn't follow logically.
1: Could, could have also just been natural history, and you know that that pain
0: was right. going right. to go away by
1: itself then anyway.
0: Right. And so that you know, we can kind of smoosh natural history in with regression to the mean, which mm. is that basically, you know, most for most people with back pain, and this is the same for neck pain or shoulder pain or you know, a whole bunch of other pains and aches that people have, is it tends to have what's called a natural history. So, if you know, if if you don't do anything, if you just leave it alone, you know, it tends to kind of come and go, you mm. know, and, and for most people it goes over time. Um, and and for most people also, you know, whilst they have it, it kind of comes and goes kind of in episodes, you know, so that they'll have worse days and better days and sometimes it'll go away for months at a time and then the, come back.
1: The topolarone
0: effect. Yeah, it goes up and down. Mm. Um, and so, you know, People you know so and and so people will typically have like a pretty sort of standard pattern of symptoms in that you know a bad day is a seven out of ten or whatever number pain you know, and a good day is a one out of ten, or you know whatever their particular pattern is, but they'll have some kind of pattern mm. um, and so you know if you have a pattern where on a bad day it's seven out of ten on a good day it's one out of ten well if you're if you're having a seven out of ten to day to day, right it's almost certain that tomorrow you're going to be better, right? Because you're having the worst possible day today, mm. right? Mm. So yeah. any mm-hmm. any change from here is likely to make it better. And so if they come to see you and they're like, oh, my back's killing me. I just need to come in for a session because I can't put up with it anymore. And then they do your session. The next day they feel better. And the next day, better still. And the next day, better still. They're like, oh, you cured me with your magic stretch or whatever you did. But mm-hmm. it's like, nah, If they just sat at home watching telly, they probably would have got the same, you know, same yes. result,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Just because of natural history, you know, just it just fluctuates, you know, through yeah. time. Yes, uh, and th- that's also that's also regression to the mean, which basically says that, you know, f- f- when things are at their worst, they tend to get better, and when things are at their best, they tend to get worse. You know, things tend to fluctuate mm-hmm. around the average. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. another reason. Like it might have, it might be that actually nothing in this session had any effect whatsoever and it was just mm. it was just kind of a random fluctuation they just got mm. better uh, and then but then you're like but but I've seen like 50 people and they've all got better yeah but the thing is you actually saw more than 50 people you saw hundreds of people but only 50 of them came back and told you that they got better the ones that didn't get better mm-hmm. didn't mm-hmm. come back right so the ones that did your session the next day they were like oh my back's just as bad as it ever was they're like oh, I'm not going back to that you know, charlatan again. So, mm. so now they they don't come back, and you don't get. But they don't ring you up and say, "Oh, my back sucks." You, you know, mm. asshole. Like <laughs> they, mm. they, they mm. just, you just never hear from them. So that they, they become invisible. So you only count mm. the people who came back and told you, "Oh, that was awesome." Because guess what? The only ones who come back are the ones who felt better. So, Mm. yeah, so there's regression to the mean uh, and then it's called survivor bias. Basically, the only people who come (laughs) back are the ones who, you know, tell you what you want to hear. Right. You know, yeah. yeah.
1: That's cool. I didn't know that was called survivor
0: bias. I just learned something. And and, I mean, you know, there are so many more. There's selection bias. Well, who's, you know, we know that, you know, from heaps of research, probably the one thing in all of uh, chronic musculoskeletal pain that is the best predictor of outcome is expectation of outcome. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. So if you expect to get better, you're probably right. And if you expect mm. to get worse, you're probably right.
1: And there's some really compelling research on that.
0: Right. And and you know we don't know why that is the case. And it's it seems likely that it's probably not because like you know just positive affirmations. You know, you 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 think it and then you manifest mm. it. You know, it's... Yeah, it's I think, should I start
1: getting into a manifest... I'd written off manifesting, I
0: don't know. <laughs> no, it's a bunch of <laughs> shit manifesting. Okay. <laughs> but um, but if you, if you, if you go to the, if, if you go to the, the Pilates teacher, right, and, mm-hmm. and you expect to get better if you do your exercises, well, guess what? You're way more likely to do your exercises, Mm -hmm. right? So, whereas if you think, well, what's the fucking point? You know, nothing I do is going to make any difference. Well, why would, it wouldn't make any sense for you to do anything then, you know, like why bother, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. there's probably an element of self-fulfilling prophecy. There's probably an element of placebo effect. There's probably an element of a whole bunch of things in there. So we Mm -hmm. don't really know why, you know, that is the case, but it seems to be pretty robustly you know, like that finding's been replicated a bunch of times. That mm. the biggest predictor of people's outcomes for back pain, for shoulder pain, whatever, tends mm. to be what they expect to happen. Mm. Um, and so, guess what? Who goes to Pilates for back pain? You know, a people who think Pilates doesn't work for back pain, or b people who think Pilates is probably <laughs> going to help their back pain. Well, you
1: know? I'm gonna I'm gonna put my hand up here and go. You know, the the reason I Found Pilates in the first place ten years ago or more now was because I hurt my back and, uh, and my hold on hold
0: on and now do you have do you have back pain right now?
1: Well, only because of your shirt. If you didn't have that check but shirt your, your on, your back pain's fine, gone,
0: right? Your back, back pain's gone. gone.
1: Back pain Bam! So Pilates for the wind. Pilates cured my back pain. Yeah,
0: awesome. <laughs> go Pilates. Hey,
1: I, there's some there's some air quotes around that, guys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if my tone's coming across <laughs> as I would like it to.
0: <laughs> or or go Natural History, you know. Or...
1: <laughs> but what I guess what I but but absolutely, I did Pilates because my physio said, "Hey, Pilates is really good for back right. pain, and you need to do." Pilates, and no, I was actually at that time told to do no other exercise, only Pilates. Pilates was the holy grail for back pain. And guess what?
0: Really freaking worked. It
1: it really worked. Like I, I ended up doing my initial course with Breathe Education because of the magical powers of my first instructor, the amazing Stella Atwood, who she is absolutely amazing. There's no sarcasm there. And you know, no when I look back at it Stella. now, there's no air quotes around Stella. We love Stella, but when I, with what I know now, I know that that was because Stella got me moving fearlessly. You know, yeah. she got me feeling capable. She got me, you know, uh, flexing my spine when I'd been too scared to flex. Actually, right. she tricked me into flexing my spine with a cat stretch. I refused to flex. Didn't realize that a cat stretch was a flex spine until one day she goes. Mm, You know, you've been flexing your spine this whole time. I'm like, what?
0: And I can do that, and it doesn't hurt. And a great big dose of uh, positive expectation created by your physio,
1: and community and fun. Like I loved going to those classes. There was so much around it. You know. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah. So you, when you, you know, so who comes to your Pilates sessions? People who think that Pilates is going to help, and who does Pilates Mm. help? People who think Pilates is going to help because expectation mm-hmm. is the biggest predictor of mm. outcome. Who doesn't mm. come to your Pilates session? People who don't think Pilates is going to help. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But they go and do their special thing. They go and do yoga or they go and do physio or they go and do whatever. And they're like, oh, this is, I knew this would work. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> mm. So. So I want to kind of reflect them for a moment because now I feel like so there's two different things going on here. There's the let's say the instructor who is going okay because you know I did this intervention with this person and they are pain-free therefore this intervention works then there's the client that's coming though and the client's going hey I believe that Pilates is going to cure my back pain Mm. and whilst doing Pilates I've actually have felt better and yeah. and you know have, have less pain episodes or maybe am pain free. Yeah. Now so okay, so if we're talking about logical fallacies and we're talking about, you know, you know, trying with our critical reasoning to not apply logical fallacy, what I'm seeing there though is it's kind of like, well there's a positive outcome coming out of this for the yeah. client. Do yeah. I really want to burst their bubble and go, hey, sorry, that's actually a logical fallacy? And do you know, like, uh, I'm having a moment here.
0: Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think we do. I don't think it's it's uh, in our job description to forcibly educate people about pain mm. neuroscience um, or, mm. or logical fallacies. I think that's not what they're paying us money for. They're paying us mm. money to get rid of their back pain, you know, or to make them stronger or to, you know, get them back mm. to doing their valued activities, you know, like- so that mm. at no point did they say, please teach me about pain neuroscience, you know. <laughs> so yeah. I don't, I don't so, think they want want or need to know that.
1: Yeah. So why do we – but I do believe that help people who work within the health industry, such as Pilates instructors, physios, et cetera, You need to apply critical reasoning and understand, you know, what's going on, like understand where the logical fallacy is being applied. Because I think that the the, the danger then that we see in the, you know, and it comes down, we see this in guruism a lot where, you know, I'm thinking the Vinnie rehabs of the world and whatnot on, on Instagram. I've got no problem saying his name. He's <laughs> blocked me long ago. Um, but <laughs> the ones that are like, well, I adjusted this person's left upper trap and in doing that that fixed their, you know, low back pain. Therefore that is how we fix low back pain. And it's this it's this fixing mentality that I think is is dangerous and this whole um you need me. Mm. Like you need me to fix you.
0: I think there are a whole many whole list of reasons why plus more. Yeah. (laughs) Why we need to know, you know, as practitioners, as fitness professionals, as health professionals, as therapists, Mm. you know, however you want to think of yourself, why we Mm. as professionals need to, you know, understand and and be mindful of these logical sort of traps that that everybody falls into and so you know basically you know we can't trust our own experience you know to, to, we can't trust our own experience as a reliable indicator of how reality works because we, because of these logical fallacies, because of regression to the mean, because of survivor bias, because of post hoc ergo propter hoc, because of uh um selection bias, you know, because of all of these things, um, you know, we we're, what we're viewing is not a representative sample of reality, we're viewing a very skewed you know data set, and so the only way that we can actually uh you know, get some kind of insight into the object, because there is an objective reality, right, to this. There's not, there's not like your reality and my reality. There's an objective actual reality out there that uh, we can start to understand a little bit through science, you know. So if we, if we, for example, if we, you know, do a study with, say, 200 people in it, and the people are all kind of, uh, and we randomly allocate those people into two groups, you know, like with a true random allocation so that the two groups are uh, representative, you know, the people in each group are the same age as the people in the other group. So, you know. So same, a
1: randomized control trial.
0: Right. So they're the same mix of genders, ages, you know, fitness levels levels of symptom and pain and function and all of that kind of stuff. And so like we've got two groups that genuinely are very, very similar in, in every way that we can measure. And then we give them both an intervention that looks and feels exactly the same. So they both come into the Pilates studio. They both get a one hour session twice a week with a caring practitioner who, you know, gives them a verbal arm around the shoulder and tells them they're doing great and gives them expectation that things are going to be fantastic. And, gets them moving and does all of those things, right? And one of them gets the magic glute activation trick, and the other one doesn't, but they get the exact same number of exercises, reps, and sets and and all of that stuff. So that way we've got two groups, they've both had that that interaction, They've both had the expectation built, they've both had the social engagement, they've both gotten moving, they've both had all of those, you know other factors have been equalised. and the only difference between the two groups, was one got the magic glute activation or upper trap adjustment or whatever, and the other one didn't, and then we and then we test their pain or whatever whatever it is that we're measuring, whether it's pain or function or satisfaction satisfaction or whatever. We measure that at the end, but the thing is, the person who's measuring that doesn't know which group they're in. So the person who who administered the treatment can't be the one who's measuring it because they're biased, right? If I'm the glute activation mm. person, I'm going to fudge the numbers unconsciously. And if I'm the non-glute activation person, I'm going to fudge them the other way. So we mm. have we have a third person who doesn't know which group people are in and isn't associated with the trial and doesn't do anything else with the randomized controlled trial except just test people's pain or function or whatever at the end. And then we go, huh, well, out of the 100 people in group A and the 100 people in group B, you know what were the results? And was one group better or worse than the other? And what we find very, very, very consistently is neither group is better or worse than the other. Both groups improve to the exact same degree. Like we see that just unbelievably consistently. It's probably the most re- repeatable, replicable finding in musculoskeletal pain is that mm. basically any treatment works the same as any other treatment. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So back to your like... uh you know your earlier question, which is like, well, so what's the problem with this? You know, why is this a problem? Hmm. Um, well, you know, because something something good happened, right? You came in, you activated your glutes, and now your back feels better, so that's awesome. Yeah, it is. Mm. But then, I, you know, then I think I get it. Well, I get an in, like a. a I get a mistaken belief that glute activation is the holy grail for treating people with low back pain. And I go around telling everybody that their glutes aren't activating properly. Mm-hmm. You know, someone comes in, next person comes in, low back pain. I'm like, oh, easy. Your glutes aren't working. Mm-hmm. Right? And so now I've just noceboed them by mm-hmm. telling them that there's something broken about them. Right? And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, my glutes aren't working. Oh, fuck it. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I must be broken. <laughs> so that's, mm-hmm. that's the opposite of a placebo. My that's, that's my
1: Yeah. Therefore, yeah. I've got back pain.
0: Right, right,
1: mm-hmm. and and
0: then I start. Then if I get really, you know, if if I and with the best intentions in the world, right? Because we're all mm. in this to help people. And I think, mm. well, I've discovered the secret to fucking solving low back pain. Mm. You know, I want to share that with the world. So I'm up on Instagram and Facebook mm-hmm. and my blog and everything now going, mm-hmm. everybody, your fucking glutes aren't working. Mm. You know, <laughs> get them going. <laughs>
1: and and people like a simple recipe, right? right. You know, it, this loops back into – Um, the last chat that we had on posture and and why, you know, crosslings were were so appealing, because it's easy. It's like, okay, well if that's tight and that's you know, I
0: actually disagree with you there. I think crosslings are unfucking believably complicated and no one understands them except for Thomas Myers. But that's another story. (laughs) we
1: won't be we'll We'll park that one for another chat yeah cool but you know what i'm saying that you know when we talked to when i said to you well what's appealing in postural assessment and it's like okay well we are being given a recipe yeah so you know it's like okay well if you know a weak core and inactive glutes equal low back pain well there's a quick and easy recipe if i can just strengthen my client's core and activate their glutes uh-huh. i cure their back pain right. easy peasy whereas wouldn't wouldn't it be great wouldn't it be great if pain was that simple <laughs>
0: Well, and there's nothing wrong with strengthening your core or strengthening your glutes, right? Like, no, go for gold. Absolutely, go for it. Go for but it. But
1: it's the go for gold. And I tell you what, a Pilates class is probably gonna tick both of those boxes. Right. right? But but it's the narrative. It's right. the narrative that's dangerous and it's and
0: it's it's when you're on Instagram telling people, Oh, don't load your squats if you can't activate your glutes yet. Or, and you don't know, you
1: dare let your knees pass your toes. Yeah, you, and... you put
0: fear into people, and you 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 underload them because you think they have quote dysfunction, like their glutes aren't firing or their whatever's not whatevering, um, and then that that actually causes problems for people. Like it underprepares them for the demands that life's going to throw at them, and it makes them more prone to injury. It you know they you they lose a lot of those benefits of exercise, which only accrue when you actually exercise and if all mm-hmm. you do is lie there and you know breathe and think about your glutes and pelvic floor you mm-hmm. know you don't you don't burn calories and you don't get stronger you know mm-hmm. so so we we do you know we do stand to actually cause harm to people by you know using these um you know treatments that we think are effective when they're not effective. And the, the third thing is we, we, we talked about it last episode, which is basically there's an opportunity cost, right? So if you've got low back pain, you come to me and we spend the first eight sessions working on getting your glutes firing. Mm. Well, what else could we have used that time for? Mm. You know, like number one, mm. like, you know, we could have just got you fucking moving and, mm. You know, we could have just talked about sleep and we could have talked about stress and your beliefs and your expectations about what's going to happen. Mm.
1: And and, and what you want to get back to doing. Like, what is it that you want to do? Like, what is it in your life that you're missing out on doing because of this pain or because of this X, Y, Z, you know? Um, Okay, so I think we've really well and truly covered – post-Hog, um, which I tend to shorten
0: it to. Uh, but I, I, I just want to say here that like, you know, it's 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 not a black and white. It's not an either or, right? I don't want to cast this as like a, you know, a battle of good versus evil. And that if, you know, ev- everybody who, you know, cues people to activate their glutes is, is doing everything wrong. And I think like, you know, if if you came to me and we spent eight weeks activating your glutes, well, I think, well, that'd be a big waste of time. But but there would be a lot of other good stuff that would happen in those interactions you know we you probably would build your expectation of success and we probably would have some laughs and we, you know like there would be a whole bunch of useful things that would also happen in that time and i think you know those people out there who are queuing glutes and i don't want to make this about glutes because it's it's really about the mistaken belief that Correct. what it whatever you're doing yeah. is working right yes. so yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's certainly not to have a go at those people because it, we're totally all fallible, including you and me, and and no one's no one's immune from this. But I think you know what we what it is beholden upon us, you know, as professionals, is to to start to understand these things and to educate ourselves about uh, how to come how to how to understand how the world works, right? Because we're purporting to teach our clients something about how the world works. Like if your glutes fire, your back will get better. Or if we release your upper traps, your neck pain will go away. Or if we release your SI joint, your hips will be in alignment. Like we're we're, we're making claims about how the world works. And like, if you want to make claims about how the world works, well, I think it's beholden and take money for it, you know, then I think it's beholden upon us to actually test those <laughs> those beliefs and and mm. provide the best quality care for people. Like so what could be more, mm. you know, humane and caring than mm. providing, you know, going out of your way to educate yourself and update your beliefs when you find that you're not correct, you know, mm. so that you can provide the best possible, most effective care for people. What could be better than that?
1: Oh, ab- absolutely nothing. And then- I remember you got me also onto this is this is one of those podcasts within a podcast moment. Um, the you are not so smart oh, yeah. podcast, and you know so for anyone who's listening to this, and I'm going to say probably everyone that's listening to this, if, because if you're listening to this, you're interested in expanding, expanding, um, you know your your viewpoints, etc. And it is such a fantastic um, podcast about critical thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah, you are not so smart. So, um,
0: yeah, so I guess, you know, that's why it kind of drives me bananas when I see scrolling through my Insta feed or something and there's somebody, some, you know, well-meaning fitness coach or Pilates person or whatever saying, Mm. you know, giving you a lesson on how to quote squat properly or, Mm. you know, or activate your core or activate your glutes or deactivate Mm. your fucking upper traps or whatever, you know, like just giving you the five things you need to know about how to move before you're allowed to move. Mm. And... Like, I just think, well, where did you learn that? You know, and you they were told it somewhere or they saw it on the interwebs or they read it in a book somewhere. But it's like, you know, people need to update their knowledge and we need to get some skills about how to evaluate the sources mm. of the information that is, are presented to us, you know. And mm. anecdotal personal experience just is not a good, you know, way of <laughs> understanding no, how is, reality it's, works
1: it's it's absolutely not and it's n- not <laughs> evidence it's not um, <laughs> clinically relevant and yeah um, so so uh, for me in in my realm that's the most common logical fallacy I see applied mm. day in and day out I guess the other one um, which I'm seeing a lot lately, particularly, and maybe this is not lately, this is an always thing, it's just sticking out for me, is um, the logical fallacy of, and I hope I'm saying it correctly, ad hominem.
0: Well, I wouldn't really call that a logical fallacy. That's just like, it just means it like attack the person, you know, hominem is human. So that's basically if, if we're having an argument and you say, oh, my magic treatment works. And I say, no, my magic treatment works better. And then you say, no, mine works better. And I say, well, you're an idiot, so yours can't work. You know, like right. that's like I'm I'm attacking you, rather than not a, rather than attacking the the idea. You know, right?
1: And so ad hominem
0: and is like you know you're an idiot, therefore you're wrong.
1: You're an idiot, therefore you're. Wrong. I, I'm seeing that I'm seeing that come up quite a bit, and uh, I think it's I think it is worth and you know, and it's hard. Not to get drawn into it yeah, sometimes, yeah. and and not to um, you know write off someone's view that actually you know someone might be actually <laughs> using critical reasoning, but you think they're an idiot, and you just don't like them personally, yeah. or um, they might just be feeling so oh, I use this word but hurt by something, <laughs> you know, by the by. The, the actual evidence you have presented which is is blowing their understanding of the world, you know, apart and, you know, might also be, you know, tightly tied into their, you know, collateral, you know, how they make a living. And it, it just becomes this this personal attack, you know, like this week I've already been called arrogant and ignorant for presenting the evidence surrounding posture.
0: Mm. Well, I think, you know, you, you like, and I have- you and I have you know, chosen, you know, you and I are in a very privileged position because we've created a situation for ourselves where we are basically immune to, you know, to, to that, like, you know, your boss isn't going to fire you for saying this stuff, you know, I can pretty much guarantee it. Um,
1: so every, those that don't know raf is my boss so I'm, I'm in a
0: lucky position here <laughs> um, and my boss isn't going to find me because i don't have one so so <laughs> yeah, we
1: we're in a good position you and i yes, so correct. we're
0: very you know we're fortunate we can basic and and we're educators right our, we make yeah. our living educating people about science and movement and pilates and mm-hmm. so it is our moral obligation i know you feel very strongly about this you know we have a uh an ethical obligation to give people, you know, people pay us money to teach them about how the world works, you know. And so we have an an absolute ethical obligation to teach them, the, you know, to the best of our knowledge and ability, like how the world actually works, you know. And so that means that it's our obligation to, number one, try and try really fucking hard to understand how the world works. And then number two, not sugarcoat it and tell them like, no, this is how it really is. Right. Mm-hmm. And and but because that's people come to us and pay us to teach them stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas if 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 you're a Pilates instructor out there, your clients aren't paying you to educate them about pain neuroscience and critical thinking. They're paying you for a fucking awesome workout and to get rid of their mm-hmm. back pain and to get back to doing the valued activities and all of those things. And so they don't necessarily want you to <laughs> engage mm. in these kind of proselytizing situations. And, you know, and so I think, and, you know, there's something, you know, uh, unsolicited advice is just about the most unwelcome, you know, thing you can oh, give Oh my you can goodness, give someone, yes, you know.
1: yes. And, you know, Raf, you remember me when I first started learning about the science of pain, and <laughs> went out as a little, little crusader. And you know, wanted to, to tell every one of my clients yeah. actually, no, actually, what you're thinking right now that's actually not correct. Let me tell yeah. you, what. <laughs> whoa, yeah. tell you what, doesn't go down well. And in, and I had to learn that the hard way. And in fact, there is a, a very thorough research done on showing that actually pain science, you can't pain science someone. In fact, you don't pain science someone. But, you you know, educating them about pain doesn't have any greater effect than doesn't help their pain, you know, than either no intervention at all or getting them moving. You know, it's like, so, yeah. yeah. But as health professionals, we are beholden to apply critical reasoning to continually upskill and continually learn and continually check ourselves are we applying a logical fallacy right. and and I think for a lot of that too for me and something i've really really noticed something that's changed in me of late which i actually really love and it's been really empowering for me on this journey is not taking it personally. Like not having, you know, if someone in the past had called me arrogant and ignorant, I would have been like bristling. I would have felt my cheeks getting warm. You know, I would have felt that, you know, the heartbeat starting to quicken. I felt nothing. (laughs) When I was called those two it was, you know it was really interesting. it was like stepping out of the emotion and and just simply applying cool, calm, collected critical reasoning to something is actually extremely empowering
0: well, I think uh, hate is going to hate and um, yeah you know.
1: but I think it's easy to get and I think it can be harder you know and I, you know we know that this is harder for newer instructors as well you know and we we do our best to try and you know empower empower them for having difficult and uncomfortable conversations either with colleagues or employers or you know the the social media realm where they will come up against outdated and it simply is outdated belief systems because it, it just is or logical fallacy you know, maybe both are the same. I don't know, but that you know, and and I guess I, I guess what I want to say to those that are listening and that have had those or are going to have those uncomfortable conversations because it is inevitable. That I totally get it when there's the emotional response, um, but I think the journey is to step away from the emotion with it,
0: and maybe step away from the comments thread as well, and just leave it alone and yeah. let, let let someone be wrong on the internet and don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, and also, you know, also too, like taking that breather, and I always remember having a fantastic conversation with the wonderful Jenna Zafino um, once when I was really fired up about something Um, because I have been known to be fiery. Like I'm not sitting here going, I am this Zen master. Uh, I am hopefully moving more towards that. (laughs) I would love to, but um, and, and more towards taking the emotion out of it. But Jenna just going, sometimes it's good to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know, so like, take a step back. You know, let it let it cool, let it calm down. Like, let there be um, space between the reaction and the response. Uh, I think is is a really great thing too.
0: Yeah. I reckon uh, that's a great place to leave it. I, I
1: think that's a great place to leave it. This has been an awesome chat, Raph. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks, Chloe. See you soon.
1: Look forward to our next one. Bye.